You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at OklahomaHOF.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at OklahomaHOF. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode down at Bedford's again. They, you know, you know this by now. They take a good, good, can't even speak. They take really good care of us. If you need a camera or anything like that or prints, you need to come on down here because they're amazing. Um, My guest today, Justin Lawrence from Oklahoma Shirt Company. Uh, Thanks for coming down, mate. Yes. uh, Thank you for having me. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people in Oklahoma City, they drive downtown or they drive down to Bill Alley. They'll see the mural in front of your building or they know you or they might even be subscribers and get your monthly T-shirts. So we're going to dive into that whole story. Um, But before we do, um, good week. How's everything going? Doing all right? Usual stuff? I'm doing all right. It has been a good week. My kids, it's weird. My kids, first day of school was today. Okay. Which is just a whole nother, like my wife, uh, she's a saint. And we've been trying to navigate this whole pandemic oh, like sure. everyone yeah. else has. And we uh, we had our kids at home, and then we did that, and my wife never signed up to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine how hard that would be. Yeah. Uh, she works 10 times harder than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm confident of that. And we just realized, like, man, with, with her parents and my parents, once the vaccination started rolling out, we gained a little more confidence that mm-hmm. this was going to be okay. And Erin was just like, she saw a window. And so our kids are going on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And so I think Monday they have like a, it's kind of a group learning thing. And then on Tuesdays they're in class. And then on Wednesdays it's kind of homework. Then Thursdays sure. in class. And then Fridays is kind of a catch up. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But so that started today. I got to play uh, play some golf this morning, All right. which was fantastic, and not real golf, um, golf, not golf, golf, yeah. uh, disc golf, frisbee yeah. golf. It's really competitive, that is, isn't it? It's uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I know some friends who do it, and they're like they're really into it, and they've got the whole, you know, the. I didn't know that there was more than one disc for different shots right like there are golf clubs yep. I didn't know that yep. um, but yeah there's, I'm, I'm so bad at it like it's embarrassing how bad I am and I'm also really bad at like go- normal golf on the PlayStation as well which is oh, weird okay but I can hit I mean, normal golf well I'm not too bad at uh, so that you play okay how played this morning yeah. played a new course this morning okay I put together a bit of a street gang of guys uh, we're called the wild boys okay which we can that's, there's a whole nother <laughs> and really all it is is a bunch of dads that still think they're cool yeah. and it's uh, it's our street gang okay and so one of the things we do as a street gang is we play disc golf right and so we started today a tour um, and this morning we played Mitch Park which is in Edmond mm-hmm. and then so we have there's like 12 courses that I've identified in Oklahoma City okay. that we're going to hit over the course of the next 12 weeks so we mm-hmm. have three months worth of yeah. disc golf booked yeah. and we play every Tuesday morning at 7.15 that's, that's bright and early and fresh <laughs> that is, that, that's very fresh it's the only time we can make it work consistently. Yeah. That's good though. You have it planned out. It's mm-hmm. time you get away. You get your, mm-hmm. you know, your dad time with the guys, and and it's, you know, and then you go on. You're done by. I don't know how long does it take to play disc golf. If we do it right, yeah. Um, 
we sh- we should be done by around 9:30 or 10 okay. yeah. and then hours. most everybody half the guys work for me so that works okay. um and then the other half I'll have generally flexible jobs they're either working from home or they work late that sure. night or some some are business owners as well um but we uh it works and if you got to dip out early you got to dip early but yeah. so we started today um next Tuesday we will have um We'll have our T-shirts. So I made T-shirts that you know have like concert yeah. the tour dates on the back of all the. I mean, <laughs> we're just sick. it's just going like, all out. I love yeah, that taking it too far, but having yeah. a good time. That's awesome. Uh, so obviously the T-shirt thing is a big part of your life. Uh, before we get into that, take me back. Like where were you born and raised? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I was born in McIntosh. I was not born in McIntosh County. My family lived in McIntosh County, which is Eufaula. Okay. And really, there's even a smaller town outside of Eufaula called Stidham. And so Stidham is like what Mustang is to, I mean, you can't call Stidham a suburb, but okay. it's kind of just a small town. Eufaula is the only town that people recognize next to it. Right. So my mom and dad, all my whole family's from Eufaula. My mom and dad graduated from uh, Eufaula High School, go Ironheads. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, my family, my mom's family, the Henrys, my dad's fam- family, the Lawrences, was kind of a, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to call it royal family, but like redneck royal family. Okay. And so they kind of came together um, and brought our families together. And then then I was born in McAllister, mm-hmm. which is the first decent hospital closest to uh, Eufaula. <laughs> right. And uh, so I, I was there. And then my mom and dad got a divorce when I was three. And then my mom was a nurse, mm-hmm. still is. So she moved to, or she stayed down there. But basically took me to Oklahoma City with her. So until I started elementary school, which I would have been five or six, she would she would work 36 hours on a weekend, Mm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then and she would leave me with my nanny, my my grandma and my papa, my grandpa down in Eufaula. And I would stay with them. And then she would come back and then I would be home with her for four or five days during the yeah. week. And so we did that for a few years until my mom saved up some money. Then she moved to Oklahoma City, took me with her. Then yeah. I enrolled. Uh, she enrolled me in Mustang. So I went to elementary school in Mustang, then middle school and high school. Go Broncos. Mm-hmm. Graduated high school for Mustang 2003, went to UCO. Um, knew that I was going to be, thought I was going to be a youth pastor. Okay. Um, but realized that music was what was going to be the gig for me. So then I, so I started out as a art major or graphic design major and got and did UCO's art program, um, essentially failed out of the art program. Okay. I couldn't, I can't draw with my hands. And so <laughs> right. I'm 36 now. Yeah. And I've started over the past like two months, like try, I've just decided I'm going to learn how to draw. Yeah. Dang it. Paper um, and a pencil and learn how to do it right. iPad. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a lot more fun and it's, sure. but it's casual, you know, it's like just trying a to hobby. do something new, a hobby. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't draw. And so then I, uh, I essentially kind of, I had a teacher that said, okay, for this project, you, I'm going to assign four A's, six B's, mm. Six C's, four D's, and two F's locked in. And so depending on how y'all do your projects, uh, those are the grades you're going to get. So my roommate, uh, who played disc golf with me this morning, he he and I were working together, and he did his project, which it was a cow skull, and you had, uh, all it was was like practicing 3D drawing. And so he drew it, and it took him like two and a half hours. And he didn't even try. He just sat down and like procrastinated. I literally spent the better part of 20 hours yeah. on this project. And I gave it everything that I had. And I got an F. Yeah. 
And that um, doesn't seem very fair. Right. Doesn't seem yeah, very like, like motivating. I hate like the fact that you like stumbled into this and you've just, real, you've just like, done it because you're very good at it naturally. And it, so like I, I I appreciate it though. Yeah. I didn't then, but anyways, but then I got, I got angsty and frustrated Mm -hmm. and was like, I don't need a degree to do graphic design. Like your portfolio will speak for itself and all of those things. And, uh, so I, am I being too loud? I get animated. No, you're good. Okay. Uh, so I, 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 I decided to change my major. Mm -hmm. So I changed my major to communications Okay. and then got a communications degree from UCO, uh, focused on mass communications, actually spent Mm -hmm. some time here, like doing videography and photography. So at that point I really kind of started my first business. Okay. It was a, I was a wedding DJ. Nice. So I worked at guitar center Yeah. and I had access to all this gear and I thought like, okay. And I worked in the church and I knew how, and I was a musician. And so I had, I knew how to, you know, be in front of a group of people. Right. And so I started DJing weddings, and then I started offering videography services for the weddings, mm-hmm. and I started offering uh, photography services for the weddings. Then I looked up, and we were doing like three or four hundred events per year. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot of events in college. Yeah. And I and all I was doing was hiring my youth pastor buddies and yeah. my like fraternity brothers and friends that like could could hold a room and wanted to make a hundred or 200 bucks on a weekend. And all you do, you show up to my house and I had like six laptops like this. And this, I had, this is just when Spotify was kind of coming out. Sure. So I would download a bunch of illegal music, you know, I'd have the brides fill out this like thing of their their wedding planner or wedding reception planner. And then I'd download all the music. I'd have a, a playlist built for them on their laptops. They'd show up to my house, they'd go in the garage. They'd grab some speakers, they'd grab a tub, and they'd grab a laptop, and they'd go off to the event. And then I yeah. would just pray that nothing went wrong. <laughs> you didn't but, get a phone call. The <laughs> Lord. But sometimes yeah. I, had to, I had to stop booking myself because inevitably, when you have four or five or six events on a weekend, right. something's going to go You're wrong. You're going to need to go somewhere. Yeah. So I just made myself available to do that. Mm. So um, anywho, so I, I did that. And then when I graduated, um, I was still playing music all along, and I went to go work for uh, my home church at the time, which was Church of the Servant. It's where I grew up at. Mm-hmm. And I um, did graphic design for them and played some music. And then I left there and went to Life Church for a season um, and played music for them mm-hmm. and sang, and that was awesome. Yeah. And then when I was done with Life Church, I went to New Covenant for a little while. New Covenant's a Methodist church up in Edmond. My best friend actually is the senior pastor there now, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and he, so when I was there, I got this hankering. And so we just fast forwarded to like 27. So we just, we just moved a lot fo- mm-hmm. forward. So it's funny reflect. I haven't really reflected back on this in a minute. So yeah. then I decided I was having breakfast with a mentor of mine who now works at New Covenant, which is cool. Um, and he said, when you're 65 and you look back on your life or 85 or 75, like, what do you, like, what do you think? What are you going to do? What do you yeah. want to do? Or what will you have regretted that you didn't do? And I said, I think, like, I think I'll be sad if I never gave it a shot to be a doctor. Wow, really? Yeah, so my mom grew up, you know, so I grew up with this nurse. Yeah. The coolest things were, like, my mom would come home. My mom, this is illegal. And if anyone tries to like chase me on this, <laughs> I'll tell them they're lying. Statue of limitations is gone. There by it now, is. Anyway. Yes, yeah. that's good. the right word. My mom yeah. one time came home and she brought me a severed thumb. 
Are you serious? I'm dead serious. <laughs> Hand on the Bible. Somebody got their thumb chopped off, and my mom put it in a jar of alcohol yeah. and brought it home. Just one night. I How mean, she took it back to work. Point? I was probably 10. Okay. Coolest thing in the world. <laughs> And she brought this thumb home, and I was, and that, and it yeah. was awesome. And then uh, my mom also, she would, during Halloween, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but during Halloween, um, some people used to, like, put razor blades and stuff in kids' candy. Yeah. Have you I mean, heard that? Yeah. Just, and it might just, be urban legend. Yeah. It, who I mean, knows if that's actually knows? real? Right. Yeah. The funny one is I've heard. So the when uh, cannabis became legal in mm-hmm. Oklahoma, the like last year and the year before, there's usually this like you know, little like post that comes out that's like, be careful, you know, people are putting gummies in kids' candy. And then someone quickly comes back and says, no, they're not. No, they're not. No one's ever going to give away their weed. That's a prized possession. Right, yeah. So my mom, for like two or three years, Mm -hmm. I would come home and she would, um, she would, I would lay out all my candy. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd sort it out. You got to take inventory. Of course. You have to see what you've done. Big hole. Good night. And she would say, pick 10 pieces. Uh I would pick 10 pieces, and then she would inspect them. Yeah. And then she'd set them over here. Then she'd take all the rest of them, put them back in my bag. Yeah. And she would then take them to work the next day and ask her friend who worked in the radiology department to x-ray all of my candy (laughs) to make sure there were razor blades. (laughs) in the candy and then she would bring me back my candy yeah. and then she would bring me back the like the x-rays which yeah. was so cool and then we'd look cool. at my candy yeah. and like oh that's a this and this is that and yeah. so all along like I'm getting kind of just doses and dabs because of my sure. mom's career of yeah. just this medical industry right um and then my sister, we were when I was working at the church. My sister, we were uh, snow skiing, and my sister got hurt really bad, um, and she hit her head on a tree, and she almost died. And she, she, um, she's she's dependent upon my mom still. Okay. And she was 16 when that happened, mm-hmm. and I was a I was working at the church, and I was probably 20, oh lord, five, six, seven, 20, yeah. somewhere in that range. And then we just got thrust into this world of my sister just. We, my parents lived at, in Grand Junction, Colorado for like 40 days uh-huh. when my sister, because they had to get her stable enough right. to transport her back to Oklahoma City. So there was a six month stint, maybe even longer, where my parents were just living at the hospital. Yeah. And my wife and I were just trying to come and support them the best that we could. So I, there's just, this is stirring and stirring sure. and stirring. And so I told Scott, I was like, I think maybe being a doctor. Well, okay, so here we are. I'm working at the church. Uh, I have a communications degree that I think I... If I got C's, I was happy. Yeah. High school, um, I graduated with like a 3.1 GPA. Mm-hmm. I was not a, a smart kid, a book right. smart kid. School has always been really, really hard for me. Um, and so then I'm like, well, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to figure out how to go to medical school. So I go back to UCO and I say, hey, I think I want to do this. Yeah. What do I have to do? And so then uh, I got like, kicked out of the office, like almost shoot out of the office by uh, the advisor. They laugh at you? Yeah, because like I also came in, I'm covered in tattoos. Right. I'm wearing a tank top. Yeah. I've got shorts on. And here I am, this like... I want to be a doctor. Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm wondering uh, what... I need to get through these classes so I can go be a doctor. And then yeah. I realized like, you know it's competitive and you know it's hard, mm-hmm. and but it's, it's the hardest thing that I've ever done, yeah. this journey. So I step in and... 
Um, I go, I enroll at UCO, and then I start taking science classes. Thankfully, I already have all of my prerequisites, most of my prerequisites knocked out. I also really didn't take any math or science classes when I did my communications Mm -hmm. degree, which really played well in my favor because you, when you apply to medical school at the time, when you apply Mm -hmm. to medical school, they take what's called your SGPA, your science GPA. So science and math. You didn't have a science. And I hadn't wrecked it. Which is good. So I got to, I got to go take all the prerequisite classes, and I think I got. I think I got one B, yeah, and the rest of them I smoked, yeah. And so, and I, but I also came in as an adult. I didn't have distractions. I'm I had super a clear passionate goal. about it, yeah. yeah. And so I, when I went in and I started this first semester, I realized like, holy crap, um, science is hard, uh-huh. and it's different than making videos, and it's right. different than like you know BS communication classes that you uh-huh. can almost fake your way through, yeah. Um, no offense, UCO mass comm department, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of athletes that take communication it's, degrees, right? That's the common uh, are, common there, theme of communication degrees. Is There are some three and 4,000 level communication classes that yeah. are like heavy, but you are right. Yeah. For the most part, it's uh, it's not a challenging no. um, mm-hmm. journey. So when I, to do science right, I was having, because I never really learned how to study mm. and prepare. So I had to learn as a 27-year-old how yeah. to do all of this. And so I uh, I started doing the classes, and then I realized, like, I can't work full-time. My wife, um, I'd never see her. Mm-hmm. And because I was just at the school all the time. If I wasn't at the school, I was at the church. And if yeah. I wasn't at the church, then I was kind of home. And my mm-hmm. wife was pregnant. We were having our first kid. And so I just looked up, and I had these, like, I can only pick two. Yeah. So I abandoned my wife and my kid, and I'm kidding. No, I, so I had to quit working at the church, Yeah. you know, and I just said, like, yeah. this is hard, but if I'm really going to go for this, like, I can't do everything. Sure. And so I, um, so I quit the church, but, but actually, so let me run back a little bit. Before I quit the church, I, re- I recognized that, like, I have to, I have to provide some sort of income for my family. Mm-hmm. So how hustle works Right? People yeah. talk about, I got hustle and grind. Yeah. No, you don't. No. You have two jobs, right? You're yeah. doing this and you're selling houses yeah. and you're a semi-pro golf player, right? <laughs> I, you, if you want to start your own business mm. um, and you think that you can just like quit your job, like if the mm. people that are cashing in their 401ks and selling all their stuff and quitting their jobs and going and opening a dispensary mm. or a grow operation or going all in, like... That's not that's not entrepreneurial. That's pure stupid. Yeah. Don't do that. Like you, it's rolling the dice. Yes, like it's rolling. Major Some people rolling get lucky. It. Yeah, right. But you're, yeah. it's like having a garage band, thinking you're going to get a record deal. Right. You, your intentions there, and maybe the talents there, but you, it takes a whole lot to make something significant mm-hmm. happen. And so I recognize that I need to I need to work at the church. I need to be a student, and I need to start this side hustle, whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, to supplement my church revenue, but I can't just like, okay, I'm going to do this now. You have to do a lot of things. So my buddy asked me, he said, hey, um, I need you to design a t-shirt for this church camp. So I have a band. We're playing a lot of music. Uh Uh, Most like five or six weeks during the summer, uh, we go play different church camps. Um, And then on the weekends, like at churches for youth groups, they have retreats. Like we go play music at that. Right. Made a couple albums along the way. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they so when I decided to do that, I or sorry. So my buddy says, "Hey, I need I need you to design a shirt for our camp." I said, "You bet, I'll do it." 
And he said, who do you think I should have print it? Mm -hmm. And I said, huh, I'll do it. Yeah. He said, you print t-shirts? I said, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll print t-shirts. And so uh, he said, okay, great. I said, I'm going to need all this money up front. Um, and he ordered like 350 shirts. Yeah. So he and I charged him like I don't know 10 or 12 bucks for the shirts. I just said, what what should I charge him? Yeah. And so I took his 3,500 dollars, and I that was my like that's how I started my business. Yeah. And I went and bought some uh, terrible equipment, just on whatever was the most accessible thing yeah. online. And then I learned how to screen print the same way I learned how to do organic chemistry, and that was through YouTube. Okay. <laughs> Real talk. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. just It's out there. There's in, a lot of people with the same story. Information yeah. and education is so accessible. Because, uh-huh. you, you know, I imagine 50 years ago, if you want to learn how to screen print, you got to go find the, like, screen printer in town. Yeah. You got to kind of work for him and then hope mm-hmm. he'll take you under his wings. And it's not quite like apprenticeship. But right. anyways, so I bought some equipment. I learned how to screen print. Mm-hmm. And then I started making T-shirts. I was actually living at the church. Okay. My wife, um, so my wife took a job. She worked in the oil and gas industry. She had a job here in Oklahoma City. They um, closed their offices in Oklahoma City and relocated to their headquarters in Tulsa. Mm. So my wife took a deal. I bought a house like my sophomore year of college when I was DJing. Mm-hmm. I did something smart with the money. Right. M- yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Until we tried to sell that house and we could never sell it. Yeah. So Aaron's, um, Aaron's company, Aaron's my wife. Aaron's company said, hey, if you move, you're one of the people we want to take with us. If you'll come to Tulsa, we'll buy your house and um, we'll do all of these niceties for you. And then, but you have to sign a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay. So I was working at the church. I decided like, I'm going to go live in the church because there was a room that no one was doing. It was a room like this. Yeah. Like it's just a random space. And I said, I can make this into a place. And so I moved in there. Um, and my wife drove, well, at first she moved to Tulsa and lived with my dad. My dad lives in Tulsa. He has a guest house. And so she stayed in his guest house during the week and worked and then would come home on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So we did that for six months. It was the best six months of our marriage. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, so she, uh, she did that. I didn't see her all week. It was amazing. (laughs) I got to (laughs) see her on the weekends. (laughs) Watch Um, whatever TV I wanted. Yeah, no, I was studying and I was working and I was do you have a kid on the way at this time? The kid? Not yet. Okay. Well, yeah. So she's about to get pregnant. Okay. Um, and she, so she takes the job and she does it. We sell the house. I move into the church. Then like hop in. I start the screen printing business mm-hmm. while I'm living in the church. So I'm having equipment shipped to the church Yeah. and I'm trying to like intercept it so that people don't are just like, what is this box? Why, why yeah. did 50 boxes of shirts just show up? Yeah. And then, and it was super inconvenient because I'd carry all this stuff and I would go upstairs. It was not set up for uh, production at all. So then uh, my wife um, decides that like, hey, it's probably better for her to like us be together. Right. And I w- this is about the time that I'm quitting the church. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, I kind of just like the business has started. I have one or two jobs a week. Um, school is getting tighter. And then I, uh, I decide that, like, I, I quit the church, and so I move out, and her and I go find a place that we rent, and then I move the production shop. Well, I had a partner in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my middle school youth pastor. 
and he so production started happening in his garage after we left the church like we kind of started it there and then he took that and then we realized like division of labor he's going to do the production in his garage and i'm going to do sales and design Mm. and all that stuff in my yeah in my house yeah yeah so that's how it started that's how it started Jeez, that's a lot isn't it it is a lot um and it uh where does the passion for music come in because that's kind of what leads you to like being creative that was the passion for music be the first the creative thing that you do because from from listening to all that it's music and graphic design that comes to me mm-hmm. from that right mm-hmm. where does music come in where does graphic design come in sure music comes in man from the beginning you know as early as i can remember i was in the small town that you follow like vivian baptist church mm-hmm. uh christmas production singing my mom had me in voice lessons when i was a little kid yeah um when i was when i went to middle school that was the first opportunity i had the like for like formal music and so i i joined band i played saxophone for six years and then i quit and started a rock band so so it's come from mom initially putting you in it as uh, something to do yeah because she loves music i assume uh my mom yeah my mom's a musician and Um, then it grew into a passion yeah okay that's one thing my mom always did you know i i probably should have been medicated heavily as a kid yeah Um, but a lot of energy oh yeah just oh and when i so when i so going to medical school like i when I was in college, I realized like this is really hard. And then my friend who had just graduated uh, med school, she was like, "Yeah, you probably have ADD. You should yeah. go get that checked out." And so then I went and had a. I went to my doctor and said, "Hey, I'm not just like Adderall shopping. What do I need? Like, I I really do I need think help I have a for problem. this stuff. Yeah. What's going on?" She said, "Well, let's send you to this psychotherapist." And I did this big panel evaluation. Turns out I scored in like the 90th percentile <laughs> of having ADD. And yeah. she's like. I don't know how you've lived your life this long. How um, have you been functioning? Coping mechanisms. Yeah. And it's funny. Like, I Always have all doing of these, something. Yeah, and I, yeah. But like a calendar, or I just have all of these things to keep all of my crazy managed. Uh-huh. And without those things, like, I, my anxiety goes through the roof, and I just go crazy. Right. But, so, yeah, music was uh, – my mom never – she didn't medicate me, and she said yes to everything. She said yeah, – this is one of the crazier things she said yes to. When I was – picture this. I was in – Definitely, definitely seventh grade, maybe mm-hmm. sixth grade. So how old would I have been? Probably 12, 13? Sure, yeah. And I got into, so my second, this is the second business I started as a kid. My first business was I mowed lawns. Mm-hmm. Um, then my second business was I was in a, I started, I was a magician. Okay. And, Learned a lot of tricks. And I like found out a lot of secrets. There is this thing in Oklahoma City that used to meet at the fairgrounds in the Contemporary Arts uh, Building. Yeah. And it was called the Oklahoma City Magic Club. Okay. And my buddy Corey, who played trumpet in band with me, he said, "Dude, you should come to the Oklahoma City Magic Club meeting with me." And he, let me. T- <laughs> Here's what Oklahoma City Magic Club was. First of all, it was fantastic. Yeah. And it was healthy and it was sweet and there was like. But there were like 25 older men, and then there were like 15 young boys. Yeah. And it just the optics of it, it didn't was a weird look mix. great. Yeah. But then it was honest, yeah. and um, I had a guy that was kind of mentoring me, and my mom knew him, and so she mm-hmm. felt safe. Um, but my mom just let me do all of the things. So she would bring me once a month to our monthly yeah. meeting down, and she would sit in her car and do God knows what. Yeah. And then she would come. She'd wait for two hours for me to do my thing, and then. Your mom, your mom sounds like a real hero. My mom is a saint. Like a real hero. Patron Just from everything saint, that you told me, like, you know, like, oh, so, you know, 
mum and dad break up but get divorced at a young yeah. age and she goes on her own and, and traveling back and forth from the city and working and saving up I mean yep. and I'm sure there's so much more as well that she's yep. done and stuff that maybe she didn't even you didn't even know about growing up as a young age but that's uh that's special to have that and have yep. a mum that's like fighting you know fighting yes. for you and, and I'm sure she can constantly as well that's uh that's special so mum puts you in music you love music you get yep. to magic and a bunch of other stuff too um you have ADD but you don't know it and then I'm sure that explains a lot when you look back on your yep. life and getting into different things. Yep. So you're at medical school, you have a partner in the t-shirt company, you're now doing graphic design. Does the graphic design and video stuff that you're doing for the wedding come from YouTube as well? Or just like, I want like, I like to create and stuff? Like, where it does that come It just came easy. In? Like I just, yeah. I have a knack for figuring things out. Okay. I don't, like I appreciate guidance, but I don't like being like formally taught how to do something. Sure. So even with, um, like I got lucky in, in the communications program because like I, so I worked at Guitar Center and then I went to work for Apple. Mm -hmm. And when I worked for Apple, um, I got to go to California for uh, 90 days or 30 days, 30 or 90 days, not yeah. 30 days. And I went through all, cause my job, my job title that they hired me for was creative genius. Yeah. It did wonders for my ego. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Waltzing into yeah. Apple every day. Hey guys, creative genius Here's here. my business card. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went out there and that's where my, so I appreciated Apple computers. It was before they were cool. Mm. And so when I went to UCO doing the, doing the communications program, everybody was PC and avid. And here I come in with my Apple yeah. and I have all of these new tools and truthfully, like what I was doing wasn't really groundbreaking. It just looked it was just different new and enough. Shiny. Yeah. And my like the transitions and the load ins and the loadout, all of the things. Plus, I had an eye. I'd been making videos with my youth pastor, um, John, my best, uh -huh. my other best friend, and he, uh, best man of my wedding, um, one of the best men I've ever known. He, uh, all throughout middle school and high school, he and I were really close and we made a lot of videos together. Yeah. You know, that was how we did youth ministry. Like you mm -hmm. would come up with some games, you'd make a funny video, you'd play some music, and then uh, you'd talk about, then he would get up and talk. Like mm -hmm. I never spoke or preached, right. but I was involved in the music, I was involved in the games, I was involved in the videos mm -hmm. and kind of the behind the scenes to make things work. And then John would uh, would give a message. And you know, it's I've never tied those things together, but there's a lot of correlation between how he stepped in as a, he's 10 years older than me. Mm -hmm. So as this big brother, mentor, fatherly figure, all checks all the boxes. Um, like my mom just yeah. gave me canvas, like, hey, just make, create, and didn't say no, mm -hmm. didn't tell me I had bad ideas, didn't say, oh no, you should do it like this. Like, that's all I do. Everybody yeah. around me, I'm like, no, do it like this or do yeah. it like this. But one of the greatest, the two, two most influential people in my life for sure it would be my mom and John, and they, they just gave me space, mm -hmm. you know, to make dumb things, to make awesome things, but they, they celebrated the fact that I was making more than the fact that, like, what the product that I had made right. or how I could critique it, and that was, that's really special. Yeah. And there's, there's something there. Um, so that, that's what, so music has, I've always woven music into kind of everything that I've done, sure. and so, with DJ stuff, it was kind of production music. When I went and worked in the church, I was playing music. Even now, like I have a successful business, and I've, I'm writing an album this year. Yeah. And me, we've got a we've got a cover band, like a country band and a '90s cover band that pre-pandemic we play a couple times a month. Yeah. And all it is, it's kind of like Wild Boy stuff. It's my buddies that all have real jobs, but it's mm -hmm. what we can do to 
stay together and to keep right. having fun. You get, yeah, that's music. the thing. You get together to have fun yeah. and you make a little bit of money on the that's way, right. which is great. But the main goal and the passion that keeps you coming back is you actually like to hang out with each other. And so right. you get to jam and play right. for music and see other people's smiling faces right. when you people come to see you or whatever. That's right. Yeah. So that first order paved the way, figured everything out, opened up, got those, you know, 350 or so T-shirts yep. out. Uh and it was hard. Where do you go, you know, and you're still going to school then. Yeah, so from there, we, so I quit, so I quit the church, mm-hmm. me and Aaron move. We start, then I have this idea with my partner one night. Like I tell him, I'm like, hey, dude. So, cause at the time, this would have been 2003. Okay. Nope, 2013. Mm-hmm. 2013, I realized like Oklahoma is pretty proud of itself. Mm-hmm. Everybody. All of a sudden, the T-shirts are starting to kick That's off. Right. Like Opolis is popping That's up, right. and all, all the competitions popping up. Like everyone's like yeah, everyone Blue Seven or wearing a shirt it. that yeah. says Oklahoma yeah. or has something to do with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, just points to our state. Yeah. And what's really, I'll get to that here in a second. Um, that's really special and unique. Yeah, it doesn't happen anywhere else. It doesn't happen in the UK. It happens. There are it happens few, in the states, but there like, are a few states yeah. in, the, in the U.S. that it happens, but not mm-hmm. all of not them. Not all of them. Yeah, Texas would be one of them. We, no, you would be surprised. Texas is, but I started. I tried to let put in the cart ahead of the horse, but <laughs> so I recognize that Oklahoma, Oklahomans want T-shirts. Yeah, they're buying these shirts. I'm buying these shirts. I was buying them like crazy. Right. And I thought, like, okay, I can design a shirt, I can manufacture a shirt, and I can distribute a shirt. And what if I just like, and what's funny is in 2013, none of this technology exists. Right. When I had to, when I tried to describe this program to a person, you have to like a subscription based program. We have to tell them, yeah, it's like a magazine. Yeah. And people were like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I take your credit card. We're going to charge it on the first of every month. Yeah. And then I'm going to ship you a t-shirt on or around the first of every month. Wait, what? I get a t-shirt and it's like 10 bucks. Yes. yes. Because every other shirt was like twenty five or thirty dollars. Right. And it's still crazy to pay twenty five or thirty dollars for a T shirt. Yeah, it is. I sell a lot of T shirts and I have buddies that still sell T shirts for twenty five or thirty dollars yeah. and they've made a living off of it. Yeah. But it just feels like why? Like you don't need yeah. to sell a T shirt for twenty five I get it. If you're a yeah. boutique and you're buying and then reselling and marking up and trying to make a profit, and you only sell one or two of these a yeah. day. Limited I, runs or whatever it is, yeah. I can appreciate that, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, you can't, I, I don't, I think it's borderline unethical to sell a t-shirt for $30. Right. So, I created this subscription-based product where I had to take, like, PayPal, and then I took, um, at the time it was, it wasn't even Shopify, it was, uh, so it was PayPal, it was Google Docs, and it was basically a web platform that's okay. like Shopify that allows you to build a website. And then yeah. I called my buddy, um, and I said, he worked at Life Church, and I said, yeah. you have to know someone who's a web developer because I need some help. Right. And so uh, he got me tied up with my buddy Scott, and we uh, together built this platform uh-huh. where then people could go online and subscribe. And it would charge their their card immediately because I needed to capture the payment to make sure it all worked. Yeah. Well, so then I designed a shirt that was the intro shirt, and that shirt we shipped to every single person so the day they signs up. Yeah, you it. sign up on the twelfth. Yeah. We're gonna send you, you that shirt. T-shirt. Yeah. And then you'll get mm-hmm. your next shirt on around the first of yeah. the next month. Okay. So, because of like all the music that I'd played over the years, because of the UCO mm-hmm. thing, because of Mustang, because of Ufala, because of my mom, because of all these different Oklahoma City Magic Club, Church yeah. of the Servant, like all these different 
circles I had, I just put it up on Facebook in January of 2013. I said, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And then, like, in a few days, 100 people signed up. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is kind of cool. Yeah, this, now I'm going to go make 100 T-shirts. Yeah. We'll design the first month. Yep. Yeah. And so we, so that kept going. And all the while, I was also, um, I was going to school. Yeah. And so we're, so my partner is making shirts in his garage. I'm designing, going to school. So fast forward six months, um, we hire, I hire my first employee mm-hmm. to help me. Because the, like, I need to change my size or, hey, customer service issues Just, or yeah. taking shirts and putting them in bags. Because right. we had about 600 or 700 subscriptions in the first six months. And and then that's kind of when it all reached ahead. Me and my partner, um, we, uh, he, so he and I for a long time had talked about like being content with working in our jobs. Uh-huh. He was a youth pastor. I was working in the church and we were actually working at New Covenant together. Yeah. And we had talked about like rent houses. Like what can, basically what can we do to generate an extra 1500 to $2,000 a month for right. each of us? Yeah. And that- To would, be set. Wouldn't that be the life? Yeah. We would be set. Right. Um, we tried real estate. We even, we even came up with this harebrained like blackjack scheme that we thought at the casino like if you make if you do these sequence of plays and these sequences of betting yeah and we like tested it like we were against each other like i had house money he had real money and we um didn't work out well it did but then we turned out that this is a it's called the martingale okay and it's a it's an actual like betting strategy we just happened to like think of a strategy that uh someone else already think of but that was validating in and of itself of course yeah so uh Anyways, we eventually reached this bit of an impasse of, we, we were generating revenue and mm. he was very comfortable with the money that was coming in. And I was just like, no. Yeah. This has the potential to take off. Not even that. Really? I'm not even going to give myself that much credit. I'm okay. just not going to hit the brakes. Okay. That makes like, sense. All yeah. gas, no brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's more, like there's more opportunity. Yeah. And he was just like, well, you know, and then there were just, this was my first. So I had another partnership. I had a partner in the DJ business. Okay. And uh, we ended up uh, splitting. Yeah. And then I have a partner in the shirt business. We end up splitting. I have a partner in other businesses. Yeah. I've dissolved two partnerships in the past two years. And it's, thankfully, my wife is still around. I'm <laughs> sure that I'm a hard partner to be in right. partnership with. But also, like, buckle up. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. You know, I know that the people that I have been partners with, like, I'm sure that I'm difficult to work with. But also, like, I'm going to, like... I'm here. For like good I'm, reason, though. Yeah. Right? Not because good, you're not showing up. Yes. Not because you're, like, slacking yes. or whatever and all, you know. like yes. Because you're, like, actually, like, 150% in. Yes. Yeah. I'm grinding this thing yeah. as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. And and I will stop when I either lose interest or when we've reached the bottom. Right. And when, when we can't do anything else with it, then, cool, let's figure out the next thing. Yeah. So we end up splitting. And, you know, at the time, it was just, like, we had six or 700 subscriptions and we were in his garage mm. and we didn't really have like, we were printing a couple jobs a week. Um, I was doing all the design. And so I basically just, you know, bought his equipment from him and then paid him for a year yeah. based on like residuals from the subscriptions. And it was better for, we, at the time, like we were trying to be real intentional about like, we want to preserve our relationship. Mm. Well, we haven't really spoken since. Okay. 
ironically, about a month ago, I just finally said enough. Like, mm. and not that I'm the bigger man by any means, but I just sent him a text and I said, "We have to, we have to reconnect." Yeah. We were once best friends. Um, we've done so much life together. I miss you. Um, let's connect. Now we haven't connected yet, but it's at least like a we start. are. We're Step walking towards direction. each other, which yeah. is important to me. Yeah. Um, all of the partners over the years that I have not been with, um, my my spirit, the Holy Spirit, like my gut, my soul, mm. um, whatever, eventually wins. And I am like, okay, I have to go make this right. right. I don't know what making it right looks like, but I can apologize. I can mm. own my stuff um, and at least be a man about this sure. and, and for whatever. So yeah. we split up um, and then we're just back on down the track of me and Amy. Amy is who I hired and mm-hmm. she came with me and, and then we started like, we really started doing it. I was able to release some reins to her, some power to her and let her run with the subscriptions and she created a beautiful community and we all came from the church. So mm-hmm. Amy worked in the church and so that was the analogy that we've used all along is, hey, treat these people like a congregation. Yeah. You know, just take care of them, be mm-hmm. honest, be transparent, mm-hmm. um, come over the top with customer service and and she was doing that, and we were uh, printing in my garage. Yeah. So after my, after we dissolved the partnership with my partner, we moved all the equipment to my house. Then Jaron, the guy who plays bass with me, or played bass with me in, uh-huh. in our bands and still does, um, he started printing in my garage. Well, he was printing with me and Trey a little bit, um, but then he really started printing a lot in my garage. Um, and then I was able to make a way to just hire him full time. And that's kind of when it started. Jaron's still with us today. He was our he has grown with the company. He was production manager, and now uh, his job title is linchpin, mm. which is just this yeah. mysterious like, like the book. Yes. Yeah. yeah just and mm-hmm. so I just want he just shows up to work every day and always is just making the place better. Yeah. Um, and so we fast forward. I my wife eventually kicks us out of the house. She says, "Listen, y'all." We have our kid, uh-huh. and she says, "Y'all, like the guys are keeping are being loud in the garage." Um, are you still studying at this oh, point? Oh Lord, yes. Yeah. So this I'm is the, the medical. Yeah, I'm not in okay. medical school yet. All right. So I have yeah. two years of yeah. I have two years of classes I have to take. Got you. And then I have this huge test yeah. called the MCAT okay. that you have to prepare for, and then that test is basically the like the key that gets you into Got medical you. school. Yeah. So all this is going, and you're still studying. Oh Lord. Yeah. And I'm not sleeping. I'm living at the school. Um, my wife was a, just a trooper supporting mm. me through all of it. And so she kicks us out of the house. And so I take that. I take advantage of that to go find our first shop. Uh-huh. And that's in Edmond. And that is like two miles from UCO, uh-huh. which is crucial because I'm right. thinking, okay, I can, there was an office you know, that was half the size of this room. Uh-huh. And I said, this is where I'm going to study. And then I'm going to let everybody else run the business over here. And so there were two offices. Actually, there was one slip. And then like two months later, we mm-hmm. took the slip right next to us, tore the wall down. And so then there were two offices. And I took the other office yeah. and made it my study dungeon. And then the other office is where like we had a salesperson, we had a graphic artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were running the shop. And we did that. Um, and at UCO, like I, I found a group of guys that I was studying with. And kind of our MO was we would go to class all day. Then we'd go home for a little bit, and then we'd all come back up, and we'd stay at the school from 8, usually 6, 7, 8, till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. just studying. And there was a little bit of messing around, but it right. really was like 
We were studying. Hardcore, yeah. And we were setting the bar. Like, we were the best science students. Like, everyone, and people knew it, and the yeah. teachers loved us. And, you know, I became a TA in the biology department. And so it was just like we were doing it right. Yeah. Um, and we were having a good time. And we were having a like a clean time. Like we mm. weren't we weren't drinking. We weren't doing anything crazy because yeah, we. But had it was to, enjoyable. It was like enjoyable. you can't study for that long and not have some fun to break it up, right? Because then you just right. burn out. Those guys, I will. That season, we still text each other. Most of them have grown on and are doctors now, yeah. and we text each other back and forth. It's awesome. Mm. But we were in war together. Yeah. Like that was that was one of the hardest seasons of my life. And mm-hmm. so when uh so that goes on for a little while. Well, then I take the MCAT. Um, and my score isn't good enough. And so then I take it again and I do, uh, I do better and I submit my application and I knew I wanted to go to OU. Mm-hmm. We have one medical school, we have one MD program mm-hmm. in Oklahoma and that's at OU. And then there's a DO program that is at OSU in Tulsa. Um, and I, I knew that I wanted to be an MD and I knew that I had to stay in Oklahoma because I just, there was too much going right. on. I also knew that I didn't want to own Oklahoma Shirt Company. And when, as soon as I was a doctor, I was going to either give this away or I was going to sell it to like Amy and Jaren right. and Logan and the people that were running it or something. But I, it wasn't a long-term play for me at all. Mm-hmm. And so I take the test and uh, I apply. Well, I get into medical school at OU, mm-hmm. which is cool. So then I decide to move my business downtown. And so I was just driving around downtown and I saw that building. Yeah. That was just a, it was the middle building. There was just a warehouse and I called and it was very reasonable rent. And I said, okay, we'll do this. So then I had that summer basically, mm-hmm. like starting in May is when I think I like locked it up. And then I had May and June and July to get the business ready because school was starting in August. Right. So they had, so they stayed up in admin working and I most days were down in, was down in Oklahoma city, you know, uh, demoing out, you know, trying to lay out the space, get things going. And so we got that going and then I started school and then, um, then the business just kind of freezes. So Mm -hmm. at that time, I bet we had 12 to 15 people working there. Um, Amy's there, Jaren's there, Logan's there. Um, I have a guy named Wopsle, uh, which is Amy's husband that's helping me run the spot. And they, uh, I'm like, you guys just gotta like, no, not Wopsle, Brian at mm-hmm. the time, our first sales manager. I said, y'all have to run this. I'm going to school. I will check in as much as I can. And I built, so we moved the business. I built a study dungeon um, at Oklahoma mm-hmm. Shirt Company, which is my conference room today, which is where I still office, which yeah. feels really good. Yeah. Um, and so we get after it. And I go to school and it's hard. And then um, my wife is, it also happens that, like, in the middle of the year, we're having our second kid. So then I find myself in this situation again. Yeah. I've been once before. <laughs> so I have a You're full-time like, job this works. at Oklahoma Shirt Company. <laughs> yeah. I have my wife, who's had a kid. I have school. And I have medical school. Yeah. So I divorced my Which is hard enough wife. if you didn't have a job. Yes. And then medical school, yeah. Yes. Kick the wife out. Told yeah, I divorced my wife, <laughs> put the kids up for adoption. No, I said crap. Yeah. This doesn't work. I can't do three big things. Yeah. And so I talked to my wife. I talked to everybody that would talk to me, seeking Mm. mentorship, seeking like discernment, seeking wisdom. Because I became obsessed with getting into medical school. Mm -hmm. And you have to. You have to. Yeah. That's the only, like, 
It's that hard. You have to. And you got to so go all in. You got to go all in. Yeah. And then some. Yeah. And so I, I finally reached this piece after talking to one of a really great man by the name of Dr. Norman Neves. He was the guy who started Church of the Servant. Mm-hmm. And he, he told me, he said, Justin, you keep telling me this story and, uh, you keep talking about it like it's a fork in the road. Mm. You know, I have to abandon medical school to do this. Yeah. And he said, it's not a fork in the road. It's, this is a journey. And this, this is just the next best thing that you have going for you. Mm-hmm. And guess what, dude, you get to take all of those experiences with you. Right. So you should walk into this next chapter of your life and like, hey, you climbed that medical school mountain. You did it. You're not a doctor and you're not doing that. But also, guess what? Your kids are now uh, two and zero Mm -hmm. and your next 10 years is not going, you're going to have zero control over your life for the next 10 years. You're going to be working a lot Mm -hmm. and you're going to look up when you finally have your freedom and you finally have like financial like stability, right. your kids are going to be 10 and 12 yeah. and they're not going to want anything to do with you. Yeah. That's a good conversation to have at that time, isn't it? That's a uh, smart man to tell you that, right? I mean, it sucks a time of life or whatever, and you've worked your ass off to get to, to get there. But at the same time, it's like you needed that conversation. Right. Dude. And I, uh, and so I, I quit. Yeah. And it was hard. But it was also okay. Like, I still have peace about it. I literally think about it every single day, still. Yeah. And it also doesn't help that I live. I, we, so we moved from Deer Creek, and we live in downtown Oklahoma City now in a neighborhood called Mesta Park that we yeah. love. And there's a, and my shop's there. And, and so it's great, but every, I miss it. I don't mm-hmm. regret it. Brian. But I, I certainly do miss it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's huge, isn't it? But, no, you know, going from that day of walking in there, in your tank top, covered in tattoos, wearing shorts, to them laughing at you, right? Yep. To like, you know what? I became like one of the best science students and I actually got in. And okay, life, you know, happens and it doesn't go that way, but but I did it, right? Yep. Like you do what you set out to do, yep. was to get, the, which is amazing. Yep. So that's, that's pretty awesome. I love that. I mean, it's obviously at the time it was a tough decision to make, but you've got to, you know, when you have that conversation with, then it's needed and you've got a young, you know, young two-year-old and one that's mm-hmm. being born and a wife that's been with you this whole time. And it's just like, you know, who knows what could have happened if you just, oh, I can do all this and, and you, who knows what you would lost be right my now, wife. you know? I would have failed out of med school. Yeah. I would have uh, lost my marriage <clears throat> and... Oklahoma Shirt Company probably would have been fine. Yeah. Which is the run itself, right? Because I had good, well, I had people well, that I trusted. Well, it's subscription based too, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, I say that at the time. At I the time. That well, and we were doing it. custom screen printing. Yeah. And, well, you know, at that moment, we had, so this is 2016. Okay. I quit school. I come back. Guess what, guys? I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, great. <laughs> and now there's nothing, like, I don't have anything vying right. for my attention other than my wife and children and Oklahoma Shirt Company. Yeah. And so it's 2016. We have about 12,500 subscriptions. Wow. Yeah. And when you do That's that amazing. and you multiply that by $13, like, yeah. and that happens on the first of every month. Right. It's like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, that's a significant amount of money. So I took all that money and I continued to just roll it back into the business. Uh-huh. And so if you look at Oklahoma Shirt Company today, our size, mm-hmm. we are the size of a print shop that 
should be 15 or 20 years old. Okay. And the reason that we're, we are the way we are today is because one, I had a job every month that I had to print 12 and a half thousand, you know, shirts. Yeah. Every and, single and also month. ship them to the right places every month. And we were growing into a really like busy custom shop. Yeah, and that's you know I did recognize at that point, and I I'll own this. Like I I said to multiple people, like a subscription based T shirt model based on Oklahoma is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's non contractual. People can quit. They can sign up. Yeah, people's credit cards yes. change. Or someone loses yes. it and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how many people subscribe to a product that is ends up being $13.04 after shipping, handling, yeah. and their cards decline. Yeah. And there was a guy that, like, said, hey, can I pay you with this different card because they garnish my wages for my child, and if you try to take the money, then there won't be money there. And I was just like, dude, <laughs> if you can't afford a $13 T-shirt. Yeah. You have a lot of bigger issues. Right. And also, give me your kid's address because like, I'm going to send this shirt you to your kid. Yeah, yeah, I will give you t-shirts. Like, don't worry so about it. It, it, it. it grew, and I took all the money and grew this shop into what it was because mm. as, we, as Amy was doing such a good job with building all these little – every person we were sending a shirt to loved us. Yeah. And so then the challenge was, okay, we need to educate all of these people that we also offer – custom screen printing right because i believe that once or twice a year every single person Mm -hmm. has the opportunity to directly buy custom t-shirts like oh for my band or for my church or for my school bachelor parties or whatever birthdays whatever it is Yeah, yeah yeah or they are or one or two times a year they have the opportunity to influence somebody like hey i'm looking to get some t-shirts do you know who i should get Uh and so my uh the pastor that I worked for at New Covenant, his name was Adrian Cole. Um, he's a, I love that man. Um, he, he said during one of our staff meetings, he was talking about churches. Mm-hmm. And at the time, and still, I mean, like, New Covenant isn't one of the, like, greatest church. If you were, like, the greatest churches in Edmond, no. Like, when people think about churches, they think about Life Church. Mm-hmm. Or they think about Crossings. Or they think about um, Heritage Hills, like in the Edmond area. Yeah. And so what he said is he said, we're never going to be number one. And we don't need to be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be number three. And so like he, he, he planted the seed in my brain that really landed well. And he's like, whenever people think of churches, we need to be on, in their top three. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I realized like with custom screen printing and that people have the opportunity one or two times a year to influence or directly buy we need to we need to be in the top three screen printers in Oklahoma, yeah, whatever that means. Mm. And so at the time, the most known screen printer was a company um, called uh, USA Screen Printing. And they are not around anymore. And their owner, um, you know it's fa- it's fascinating, and i I wish I could have time to sit down with Chris and talk to him about it. I've mm. met him a few times, but uh, he basically, he had another opportunity for him that he wanted to do, and that was uh, open Brickopolis, which is downtown. Yeah. But before that, he kind of, and again, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not throwing shade, but it appears as if, and the words that I've heard, mm-hmm. he just kind of checked out. Mm-hmm. And a screen printing business is a terrible, terrible, terrible business to check out of because everything that you make is custom. Mm-hmm. Everything that we make, we have to go to a person who doesn't know how to make T-shirts, like you, 
Mm-hmm. Hey, Mike, you want to yeah. make T-shirts? Okay. And so you have this idea or this dream or this look in yeah. your head, and you're not an artist. You don't know how any mm-hmm. of this works. You don't know how complicated it actually is to make a T-shirt. Right. We today have 46 people that work at Oklahoma Shirt Company, and it doesn't matter if we're printing 12 shirts or if we're printing 12,000. I bet there are 18 different hands yeah. that touch an invoice yeah. before it comes to life. Wow. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And it also is a something. So the analogy I give about a screen printing company to my friends is I say, okay, it's like this. Mike, I have a pet T-Rex mm-hmm. and it's awesome. And you tell everybody, like, hey, hey dude, Justin's got a pet T-Rex. This yeah. thing's cool. Um, and I like to brag about my pet T-Rex. And guess what? My pet T-Rex, I have to feed it like... 500 pounds of meat every day. Dude, my payroll every two weeks is like $55,000 every two weeks. And that's still like, what? And we have to earn that by printing T-shirts. So my T-Rex has to eat 500 pounds of meat every day. Also, when you leave, um, I have about... 320 pounds of T-Rex shit that I have to clean up. Yes. Yeah. And also, yeah. if I turn my back on this thing for more than one minute, he will eat me and I will be dead. Right. And then he will die because he doesn't have someone feeding yeah. him and cleaning up his yeah. mess. So what you're saying is it's a lot harder than medical school. <laughs> no. I, I, what I'm saying is, is if you're going to have a business that's going to... Um, grow and be relevant. Um, And it doesn't have to be me. You have to have people that are, that are all in, that are checked in, Mm -hmm. that are, um, that are giving it their best and are giving it the attention that it needs. Fully engaged. Fully engaged. Yeah. And, and so like that was, I get the sense that he kind of checked out a little Mm -hmm. bit of his business. And he also, they were printing for the Thunder. They were, so they were everything that me, so me and Trey used to talk about mm. um, in the garage. Like, That's what we want to get to. We have one manual press and this like halfway decent dryer. I bet we could print all 20,000 of those shirts. How could we do it? And yeah. we'd run the numbers and like thinking that like, I'm going to get the opportunity to print these Thunder shirts. Right. Um, and so, like, we print for the Thunder now, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and we print, and it's not 20,000 shirts. It's actually 20,000 shirts, but it's, it's either 40 or 60,000 impressions because we print 20,000 fronts, oh, then yeah. we print 20,000 sleeves, yeah. then we might print 20,000 backs. Yeah, they don't just have a little logo right here, do they? they have, that, that T-shirt is loaded. And then we have to do it again in two days. Yeah. So we have to turn around like 60,000, 40 playoff 60, season. Yes, yeah, that's right, playoffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got to turn that around in like 36 hours and then do it again. So for playoffs, say, I mean, do you print them before you even think that they're coming back or do you have to do you have to wait? And then once you know that they're coming back, you're like, okay, now we have to start, like press go and that's gone. So once, so what's nice is, um, so USA Screen Printing did the Thunder shirts when we made our Western Conference Finals run. Okay. Um, the past three years that we've done it, we've only done, like the Thunder has only gone into the second okay. game yeah. for the second round. Right. So for the first round, 
depending on where our seed is, um, if you're in the lower seed, then your home games, the first two games are at your visitor, which is what we were. Yeah. If you're in the lower eight. If you're in the upper four, sorry, if you're in the lo- the lower four, like, you know, five, six, yeah, seven, yeah, eight yeah. versus one, two, three, four. So when you're in five, six, seven, eight, the first two games are away games. Then the next two games are home, game, home games. Then the next game is away. Then the next yeah. game's home. Then the next game's away. Got you. So, so you know you're off the bat. You know you've got two games. Bam. Yeah. So we had two weeks. Yeah. Really, once we clinch the playoff position, they say, mm. go. Yeah. And then we have two weeks to print two rounds of shirts, which sure. is great for everybody. Right. It's when it goes to game seven that it's problematic. Yeah. Because if it goes to game seven, then we can't – the next playoff game is – Three days later. Yeah. So we can't start printing um, until like midnight that night. When we win, then it's like, but also since it's, it's maybe it's two days later, it's two or three days later. Yeah. But we have a window to print and then we have to get them the 20,000 shirts. Then they have to get them on every seat. Yeah. And they don't, they also aren't trying to do that, you know, five hours leading up to the game. Right. You yeah. Know, there's other it's, things yeah. that other people are trying to do. So. Yeah, it's uh So you guys when you if you make that game 7 or have we had that yet? We no. have. No. no. So uh, okay, so if that does happen, no. hopefully this year we have next shirts year. In boxes. Are you guys like as soon as they win that game or as soon as you know you get game 7, will you guys be at the warehouse being like, yes. "Okay, we're making it click go." Yeah, the last and we're just going to work all night. It was me, and my operations manager and production manager. We were up at the shop watching the game. Yeah. And we'd put everybody on blast. Yeah. And we said, "Hey, if we um if we win, this is what this means. Yeah. And what was going to happen was I was going to take everybody. Everyone was showing up at 5 a.m. And we were all going to work until we got it all done. Yeah. And it would have been around 7 or 8 p.m. And it would have been awesome and hard. And brutal, but it yeah. Would have been, it's also a really big re- – so the biggest trophy, in my opinion, in Oklahoma as a screen printer, if you're competitive, yeah, that's the biggest job our state has to offer. Yeah. There's nothing bigger than that. Right. The yeah. Memorial Marathon is cool, but you get like three weeks to print that. Right. And yeah. There's no like pressure. That's right. No and deadline pressure. And like, you know. The most qualifying question that people ask about um, screen printers in Oklahoma is like, who prints the who prints the Thunder shirts? Yeah. Do you guys print the Thunder shirts? I heard that. And it drove me crazy. It was maddening. <laughs> You're like, guys, these guys. <laughs> it was maddening. Yeah. And so I, I, I'd always wanted to do that. Um, anyways, so... We with the subscription product, it continues to grow. So I'm back I, in the helm. Um, I'm working with my team, and then we decide to grow and grow, and we're going to go for it. Yeah. And so, being in downtown Oklahoma City, which is crucial to our business model, for now, mm-hmm. the building that we were in, you don't like. It's not like there's a yard next to us where I can build something, right. let alone own these buildings. Mm. So next door is a yoga studio. Next door is a car dealership. And behind us in the alley on 9th Street is the Chesapeake Boathouse mm-hmm. where they built or where they worked on the kayaks and they repaired them. So Chesapeake moves out. And so I find out the landlord of that. And I'm like, okay, um, I don't need all of this space right now. But when I do need it, this is not going to be available. So I guess I have to take this warehouse. Yeah, And so I took the warehouse and I built out um, a section of it. And I, my buddy who was up in Edmond, next to my other shop, he's who's done all my tattoos. Mm-hmm. His name's Matt Gibson, Black Magic Tattoo. You should get him. It'd be good yeah. to enjoy talking to him. Yeah, uh, let's do it. He, uh, 
So I was like, dude, I've got this spot. I've got 2,500 square feet I need to rent. Why don't you come take half of it? I'll put my sales office in the other half. And so mm -hmm. he came down, and it was cool because we really enjoyed being next to each other. And and so we got Matt set up, and then the warehouse, we took it over, and there was a yoga studio next to us. And eventually, like, they left, and so I took over their lease. Mm -hmm. And then eventually the building came uh, available next to next door to us that was the car dealership so I took that building and started another business over yeah. there so it's right like where camps 1910 and you know automobile or automobile alley but like uh, uh, iguana and mm. all that stuff like yeah. we're we're right there and so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do manufacturing downtown we pay a lot of money we pay almost twenty thousand dollars a month in rent mm. it's yeah ridiculous. yeah but it's important yeah and I'd like to eventually own the buildings if I can. And if I can't, um, you know, me and, my, me and my landlord, he's a very kind man, and he's a, he's a restaurateur and owns lots of businesses in Oklahoma City. And I, I'm trying to get him to sell me the building. If he doesn't, mm -hmm. then I'll probably be forced to go find a piece of land build somewhere a warehouse in the Broadway country. Extension, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Build, a, build a manufacturing facility that – Yeah. Because it's hard being downtown. You know, our production facility is on right. 9th Street – and then our sales office is on 10th Street, and our warehouse is on 10th Street. Mm -hmm. And so there's just, there could be some- It's expensive real estate to have. Yeah, but there's yeah. it's also not super efficient. Right. You know, we should receive raw goods here and then move them to here, and then they should get decorated, and they should go out right here. Gotcha. You know, when we're printing 50 to 60, 75 jobs a day, mm. there's a lot of back and forth that, um, yeah, like just ants, you know, coming out of the anthill, going all the way over here, and then bringing it back to the anthill and doing something with it. Right. So there's a, that's what we spend a lot of our time. That's what I spend my time doing now is trying to optimize the business, make sure that it runs well, um, make sure that I'm trying to prospect new accounts, but we have a, we have a very, we have a good sales team. We have a great customer service mm -hmm. team. We have four graphic artists that are insane. Our production department is, I believe we're the largest screen printers in Oklahoma, yeah. but I believe we're some of the best screen printers in the region because of our people and like they really give a damn. Like mm -hmm. they, yeah. the craftsmanship matters to them. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, oh, print another t-shirt. Right. I tell them all, every opportunity I get that, you know, this t-shirt that you're making, like I know you just made 500 of these things, mm -hmm. but each one of these shirts is going on a human. Yeah. Like there's some intimacy involved yeah. in that. Like right. you're, like you mm -hmm. might've just made someone's next, like this is my favorite t-shirt. Yeah. And so like take pride in it because they're going to wear this art that you've made and they're going to, this could be someone's like band. This could be someone's church. This mm -hmm. could be someone like they're the, a nonprofit or they're fundraising. Like there's so much yeah. significance that goes into a t-shirt that we often lose sight of. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that's, that's where we are. That's what we're doing. That's um, such an that's awesome journey, isn't it? It's just come, yeah, it's like, I mean, there's a lot to take in, and it I'm is. sure we could sit for hours. But what was it like when you first saw somebody out in one of your T-shirts? Oh, I love it. And you didn't even know who, you didn't I know them. It. Like, what was that experience like? Well, and what's, what's fun, the funnest part about that is me and Amy and a few of the people early on would take, screen, would take pictures because when you're peppering yeah. primarily Oklahoma mm -hmm. with – 10,000 plus shirts of the same shirt every month. Yeah. You know, people get their new shirt and it starts in school teachers were like the first like, you know, acolytes. Like they would you would get it all it took was a third grade teacher in like Altus would sign up 
And then next month, her best friend teacher would get it. And yeah. then the next month, all of the third you grade teachers would be subscribed. Web. Yeah, they just, yeah. it's the virulence of That's like so cool. that Oklahoma shirt was that. cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, you'd be walking around at the state fair, you'd be walking around at Walmart and you'd see someone wearing one of the shirts and just like, dang. And then the probability of running into a shirt exponentially went up each of month course, because yeah. we sent 10,000 out this month. And then we sent another 10,000 out this month to the same people. So now yeah. when you pick your wardrobe, you know, that's why most people quit. No one quits because they say it's too expensive or I've yeah. run out of money. They're like, okay, I've got 26 <laughs> of your shirts in my yeah. closet. And it's so good I don't want to give them away. And I can't um, I can't do this anymore, so can yeah. we put it on pause? And then FOMO kicks in. Yeah. And people well, are like, oh, They get crap. one shirt out yeah. and you're like, oh, I want, the, that I want one. that one. Yeah. So it's uh, So the crystal ball moment was right. Um, you know, today we uh, we only have so it peaked at like fourteen and a half thousand subscriptions in two thousand seventeen, yeah. which is mad, isn't mad. It? Like when I don't you know. when you go back to that, oh, I have an idea. I'll do those shirts for you. I have no idea how to do it, but I'll, I can do. it. I'll figure it out. You ever think that it'd be at fourteen thousand and you'd have forty seven employees and paying fifty, you know, five thousand dollars every two weeks? Yeah. That's nuts, isn't it? So now we there's about five thousand. Yeah. You know, people like subscription. There's a subscription for everything. Uh huh. Um, and obviously more competition has come out and you know, everybody, everyone yeah. can make t-shirts now. Like actually a friend of mine opened up one two months ago uh, in Edmond. But, well, you if know. he needs help, yeah, it's, connect uh, me. I, I love, yeah. I spend a good part of my time. UCO like, grads too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Me and musicians, actually DJs. <laughs> there's a yeah. big, there's a, I travel a lot and mm-hmm. like speak and, and am involved in the print industry from mm-hmm. education and like helping and so... Yeah. I love that. Like, I want to be a player in the industry that I'm in. And I don't, it's not about trade secrets. There's mm. no secret sauce. There's no, no, it's you, you do what you say you're going to do. You be kind and try hard and have fun along the yeah. way. And so if they're, tell your friends legit, like yeah. can, if they ever need help, because I promise what will happen. I didn't have anybody's. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a piece of equipment that breaks. They're going to have a job that they're in over their head. They don't know how to do, right. or they're going to need something. And having buddies is yeah. This is helpful. Yeah. I love what you said earlier, you know, about to your, to your employees, like we have to treat this like a congregation. Yeah. Like that goes a long way, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what size it is. Mm-hmm. And then the spider web thing happens, right? Because you treat people well, they tell their friends about it, you know, and you take care of your, your cool group of business and, and it just takes off, which is amazing. But uh, I know we could see for hours and talk. I'm sure people listening are either done with their walk or they're exci- exercising <laughs> or they're on, almost on their way home. Um how do people get in touch? How do people follow you? How do people, yep. you know, either collaborate or yep. want to design or whatever? How do they do that? I live on Instagram. Okay. So Justin T, as in Tyler Lawrence, and it's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. So at mm-hmm. Justin T. Lawrence, Instagram. Um, and then Oklahoma Shirt Company, uh, Oklahoma at Oklahoma Shirt Company on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. But really, Instagram is where we hang out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and then my email address is justin at oklamashirtcompany.com. Would love to help um, in anything that we can do. We do tons of philanthropic things in Oklahoma City. If you need um, sponsors for events, mm-hmm. if you need, all that stuff. I mean, people hit us up regularly. Um, it's a big deal to me yeah. that we give back. We've been given so much. And I want to um, – that's how that, – I spend it – a good part of my time doing that too yeah that's awesome well great uh mate thanks for coming down really excited to share the story really excited to hear the reviews on the listens uh yeah. you know it's fascinating business that everyone will know about uh and just just great backstory that you know it's something that was you know you just took the risk and like yeah i can figure out those shirts and and, and now we have 
have this awesome business. So, absolute pleasure. Thanks for everyone for listening. And yeah, we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who've been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at OklahomaHOF.com and definitely on Instagram at OklahomaHOF. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.